This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be part of it. New York, New York. It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news. Hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan. A couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. And here we are on the Start Spreading the News podcast here on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network. Paul Semendinger here with my dear friend and co-host, Dr. E.J. Fagan. Hey, E.J., I think it's been a few weeks since we've actually been together here in the in the. Uh, the studios of uh, Northeast Streaming Sports here, the the vast studios. I'm I'm in New Jersey, you're in Chicago, and somehow it's one big giant studio. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today with the Yankees. They're down again. Uh, they had a tough weekend, and there's a lot of things for us to discuss. So before though, I'd always like to ask how you're doing. How are you today? Doing great, Paul. I I, have, I, I had, think you had a more eventful baseball two weeks than I did, which we'll talk about, but. Uh, I, I visited uh, the Chicago White Sox guaranteed rate field. I saw the Yankees play the White Sox last Friday night. That was the uh, Garrett Cole start against the White Sox. I had very, very nice seats. My father was flying through town, so we, he and I went out and got we, we went out and watched a game. Uh, I have not been that close to Aaron Judge, John Carlos, Dan, and the rest uh, in a very long time. I've not been at eye level with them in, in quite some time, probably spring training of 2018 or something like that. And I can report that they are big men. Uh, they are very, very big men, and um, and it is amazing to be that close to them and just see them tower over other very big men like like uh, you know Josh Donaldson and those guys. Great stuff, and that well, that was the Yankee win, yes. The Yankees won that game. It was a wonderful, beautiful night to watch baseball. It wasn't too cold. It wasn't too. Uh, it was an afternoon game. It wasn't too cold. It wasn't too warm. It um, uh, you know the the one the one complaint is it was a slow game. Uh, the White Sox pitcher for that game, whose name name escapes me, was pitching at a very slow pace. And so it was about a three-and-a-half-hour game. It was a great day to be a three-and-a-half-hour game. Guarantee rate field, not my favorite baseball field in the world, and we've talked about that on the, on this show. Uh, but on a beautiful Chicago night, uh, it, it was pretty great. My first game of the season. That's awesome. Well, um, you know, and we've talked about this, too. It's the uh... – same design as Yankee Stadium, in a sense. The same architects built that place, and uh, just as boring. Yeah, just just a lot, a lot of gray, a lot of gray, and what an opportunity! I think the Yankees lost. I mean, I love Yankee Stadium because it's Yankee Stadium, and that's where you go to see the Yankees, and it's a special place. But boy, what a great opportunity lost because it could have been so much better. But speaking of so much better, the Yankees are all of a sudden losing games all over the place. Heading into tonight, they actually had lost three out of four. And now they're playing the Orioles. They're heading into the seventh inning and they're down again, five to four. So, EJ, um, 
it's too early to panic, right? Yeah, I mean, look, the Yankees have a five-game lead on the Rays right now. They can lose a few games, and they're going to lose a few games, right? There's going to be rough patches throughout any great season and still have a lot of room to spare. Um, and, and that's for the division, right? Remember, this it's not that hard to make the playoffs. They've almost made the playoffs at this point. They could go 500 the rest of the season and still be like a 91-win team. They were on pace to be a 120-win team. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> that's never going to um, happen. But th- this team is is still just as talented as it was as it was before. Still has lots of strengths. We're going to talk about some of the kind of issues they're running into. Uh, but it also doesn't have to be the final team that they go into the playoffs with. They're going to have a chance to add players, and they're in a good position to do so. They're also in a good position to kind of see what they have from minor leaguers and 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 just kind of let the season play out. I, I wouldn't worry about that. I'd also note they're at the tail end of a lot of games. They have not had an off day since early May. They're not going to have an off day all of next week. I believe May or until I think a week from Thursday is their first off day in a long time. And for the most part, they've done very, very well during this long road trip. But I, I would expect, I'm sorry, this long um, play of games. But I would expect any team to get tired playing that many straight games, playing double headers, um, you know, having an international trip. They traveled to Toronto during that time. And for the most part, they've been excellent. So if if this is kind of the zenith of their season, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm a big believer that you can win the pennant in April and May and you can lose the pennant in April and May. And look, except for the last couple of days, and of course, I you, you'll, you'll see that I'm going to ask that same question. It's not time to panic yet. As you know, in the, in the show outline, that's I'm saying some of that tongue in cheek because I don't think it is time to panic. And the Yankees have done so well that they've give them a, given themselves a comfortable, a comfortable little cushion and I think, again, you can win the pennant in April and May. You can lose the pennant in April and May. But the Yankees have done everything they can to win the pennant in April and May. They've, they've, they've won a lot of games. They've played great baseball. And, right, as like as early as most recently as midweek last week or really last Friday before they lost a bunch of games, the Yankees were on pace to win 120 games. That's never going to happen. No team wins 120 games. It's never happened in the history of baseball. So you had to expect that the pace that they were at was going to slow down. It had to. And the only worry I would have is the Yankees competition early on has not been super strong. Um, a lot of the great teams, they haven't necessarily played them and they played a lot of games against the Orioles. But again, you play the games that that are there and and you have to win the games that you're that 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 are on the schedule. When you play them, you got to win them and they're winning them. So I, I think the Yankees are in fine shape. I wish they, I wish they were winning tonight. I wish they didn't lose a doubleheader and have an inability to score runs yesterday. But I think there's also a number of players right now on the COVID list and, and a lot of things like that. And there's going to be times when players get injured and there's going to be times when your best relief pitchers don't have their good stuff. And then you just roll with the punches. The tree, the trick is to avoid long losing streaks and to get in bad habits. So speaking of long losing streaks though, you have to wonder Two Yankees, Luis Heel and uh, Chad Green, both are going to now go under the knife for Tommy John surgery. And I think the bigger loss there, based upon his performance the last couple of years, of course, is Chad Green. The Yankees have now lost him. Jonathan Luizaga has not really pitched as really as well as everybody thinks he can. Araldus Chapman has given up runs in five consecutive outings. The Yankees' bullpen was a strength. It's not looking as strong it's not time to panic, right? 
No, it's not time to panic. The Yankees bullpen, the Yankees have the second best bullpen in the majors right now. Now they're weaker than they were a week ago. Chad Green is a loss. He's not the biggest loss though, right? Chad Green had, was, you know, merely very good these last couple of years and he's getting older. He's been on the decline. Um, Rollis Chapman is dealing with an Achilles injury right now, and he has had a lot of really bad outings. I kind of hope that he goes in the DL to fix that so they don't keep trotting him out there in high leverage innings and he keeps kind of blowing games. But Mike King has been amazing. Clay Holmes has been amazing. They've gotten strong performances out of Wandy Peralta, Lucas Lukey, and others. Um, but it is clear that they're going to need a couple of guys to step up. They, for the most part, have gotten through this stretch, this long stretch without off days. You're not using a lot of their top relievers. So if there was about a week during you know during the no off day stretch that Wandy Peralta didn't pitch a game. There was long periods of time where Lucas Lucky didn't pitch any high leverage innings. Um, they were able to rely on Mike King and Clay Holmes and some of these other guys. Um, that's exposed some problems. One is that Jonathan Loisaga is clearly not himself right now. Um, Loisaga has, I think, a 15% walk rate at the moment, which is not him. Right? When he's on, he's a control pitcher. He's not a guy who walks a lot of guys. Um, especially because he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. He needs to not walk, walk a lot of guys. And so there's something wrong with Eliza. There's something wrong with Chapman. Um, I think the Yankees need to start trying out some young guys. They've called up Ron Marinaccio. I think he deserves a long, uh, some playing time. He doesn't look great in his time with the Yankees, uh, but he has, he's looked fine. Like if you look at things like his strikeout, right, he's still striking guys out. Um, I think he deserves a longer look. And if you look at his minor league numbers this year, he hasn't pitched that many games, but he's striking people out like crazy in the minors. So he's still got it. And, I, and so I, I think I think we're going to see more of him. I think we're going to see a lot of Clark Schmidt. I think Clark Schmidt is the candidate to be the next kind of Mike King type guy who was a starter, still has a little bit of kind of starter DNA in him, but they rely on for more kind of high leverage relief innings out and just, multi, just for multiple innings. I think he's looked good so far. He's been kind of the guy who's been on the fence for the beginning of the season. He was the guy who could be sent down to the, to the minors. And he was at one point. Uh, but I don't think he's pitched a game in the minors yet because he keep, keeps getting called up. And now he's like the sixth guy in the, in the bullpen. He's the guy who's going to get, get innings. So I think we're going to see some of him. Another player who um, Kerry Green on the, on the podcast yesterday mentioned, excuse me while my, uh, well, I'm about to sneeze in a minute now. Kerry um, Green on the podcast mentioned is Shelby Miller, former major league uh, star pitcher who's closing right now for AAA Scranton and actually pitching very well. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of time as a relief pitcher, but I think he's another guy who I think we could see called up pretty soon. The thing about these injuries, these long-term injuries to Gill and Chad Green is that they open up 40-man roster spots. The Yankees currently, I don't believe, have added anybody to the 40-man roster to take those two spots, but I think we're going to see some of these guys and maybe some others kind of take that space. And it's important that the Yankees start to see they have a lot of high-leverage arms in the minor league. And, oh, I think EJ hit the wrong button. He should have hit the mute button rather than the camera button, but it's no, okay. I hit the blow my, blow my nose button. That's right. <laughs> God bless you, EJ. Hope, hope, hope you're feeling. Oh, it's, well. a, it's allergy season. It, it, this is not not my favorite season of the year. It's all good. Hey, EJ, the Yankees catchers can barely hit a lick. It's been that way all season long. Um, I, I don't know if Ben Rourke Morgan's, uh, however you say his name, is coming back anytime soon. I think so Rourke just, um, just underwent an arthroscopic knee surgery. He'll be out for right. So weeks. I mean, this is just one thing after the other. The Yankee catchers can't hit. It's not time to panic, is it? Um, I don't think it's time to panic, right? They 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 have done all this with this current catching crew. Um, and so if you don't think that they're good enough to win, well, they were good enough to, to win you know, 75% of their games for a while. Um, it's interesting because I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a midseason catching trade. You don't see those a lot. 
because usually catchers like to have some time to kind of become familiar with the pitching staff. That said, Jose Trevino, they trade for him like a week before the season started. He's looked great. And so I wouldn't be shocked to see some sort of trade. My guess is that they're just going to kind of keep going with what they have right now. Higashioka's on the COVID IL, but he'll be back pretty soon. I think Higashioka's the one to go. I've been impressed with Trevino. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Higashioka's lost a little bit defensively this season, which is really not acceptable when he doesn't hit much. Um, Trevino, you know, he's a, he hits like a backup catcher and he feels like a gold glove catcher. And, and so I think that's, that's okay for, you know, your one, a catcher. I, I wouldn't want to give Trevino 120 games a year. Um, and, uh, and I'm not sure I want to give that to Higashioka. So I, I think they're probably on the phone with some people right now. And, you know, look, they know they're going to be buyers of the trade deadline. The Yankees are well aware that they, that's what, the, that that's the position they will be in. And they don't have to rush to make a trade. Uh, but they they know that you know they they could potentially you know make some calls and there are lots of teams that are out right now and they might want to do a trade. You don't see a lot of those May trades. Um, and remember, even though it's May twenty third today, it's really two weeks earlier in baseball terms because the season started late or a week and a half earlier in baseball terms. And so uh, I don't know when we'll start seeing trades with a five game lead. I, again, I don't think the Yankees are going to be in a rush, but there are a number of catchers out there that are interesting. The Athletics have Sean Murphy. Uh, I believe the Reds or Tigers have Tucker Davidson. Um, so there, there are some players they might consider trading for, or they might just kind of wait out work that. I, I really wouldn't be shocked if that's what they end up doing. Um, we're going to talk about some other positions. And I think those positions are more likely to be filled in catcher just because of the familiarity with the staff. I, I think the Yankees really have two areas they have to address. They have three areas that sometimes have gone for lengthy periods as, as you know, empty holes in the lineup. You've had shortstop where Kiner Falefa has been streaky when he's been hitting the ball well. It's great, but he seems to be a guy that goes through periods where he doesn't get hits. Catcher has been abysmal offensively, and center field hasn't been uh, very good when Aaron Hicks is out there, and it's not Aaron Judge. Um, I think long-term, I think it's very hard to have three positions in a batting order that aren't hitting, and so the Yankees are going to have to address at least one of them and I don't think it's going to be shortstop. I think Kiner Falefa's done well enough, and he's a solid all-around player and a very good defensive shortstop that he's he's the guy. So really it's going to be, are the Yankees going to try to improve offense through catching or, and, or center field? And, you know, Aaron Hicks has lost, looked and lost a lot of ability, it seems, and and, and, and whatever it is, but he's looked lost. And he's been abysmal. Um, so let me ask you, it's not time to panic yet, is it? Not time to panic, but I, I do think that this that center field is where they're going to make a trade. There's a lot more outfielders out there than there are catchers. Um, and a lot of them can hit. And there's going to be an outfielder on some team that they can either put in the corner and move Judge over to center, or they can put in center. And um, I, I agree with you. you know, Aaron Hicks has looked like a guy without a wrist. I mean, he, he is, he has this wrist sheath surgery. He has absolutely no power. He's not driving the ball at all. He's making up for it by taking a lot of pitches, taking a lot of walks. And that's been good. Um, it's one reason why he hasn't been a complete back black hole, but after a hot start to the season, when a lot of balls were kind of falling in on in for him, he's now gotten the opposite luck and a lot of balls aren't falling in. And so he looks like a empty shell of a player that said, you know, he has a three Oh eight Wobo. Um, that's average. Aaron Hicks has been an average hitter this season, which just tells you that, you know, we need to adjust our expectations a little bit given how bad 
the major league season has been so far in terms of offense. So if we look at one player who the Yankees consider training for this offseason and who I think they might consider training for this season, Brian Reynolds, is the center fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He right now is an above average player. So he has had above average stats on this season. And here is his, his batting line. He has five home runs. He has nine RBIs. He has had 228 average, 323 slugging, 382, I'm sorry, uh, 323 on base percentage, 382 slugging. That's not that much better than Aaron Hicks. A little more power, less on base. He's about as good of a defensive player. And so if that's your option, you're not going to improve on Hicks all that much. I don't think they're trading for, you know, the five, one of the five good center fielders out there this season. I think they're trading for somebody like Brian Reynolds. Maybe they, you know, their hitting coaches can turn Brian Reynolds a little better. Maybe the offense picks up as it gets a little bit warmer outside. Um, but one thing to remember when you watch a lot of Aaron Hicks or Isaiah kind of fluff outs is it can get a lot worse. There's a lot of players hitting 190 right now. And, uh, you know, Hicks at least takes his walks. There's at least some value there. So, so let's just uh, dig deeper into this then. Aaron Hicks does have a good on-base percentage. Um, he does seem to have no power. But, yeah, like a guy like Reynolds, I was looking at him for the show last week um, and uh, looking for an article that Ethan Semendinger is running this week at 4 o'clock on Start Spreading the News, a different player each day that the Yankees could consider acquiring. And basically he's looking at pitching center field catcher or shortstop. Those are really the only areas that the Yankees could address. And, you know, he's looked at Brian Reynolds and, and everybody was high on him over the winter, but he really hasn't had a very good year. And, you know, if the Yankees are going to acquire him, it's going to hurt a little bit. And boy, if it's me, and I'd love to hear about what your thoughts are, if I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to start to get rid of some of the Yankee talent that it's going to take to acquire a plus ball player or someone who's going to be an improvement over Aaron Hicks, and I have no problem doing that, but I'm going to want to make sure that that player is definitely worth it. And I don't know if Brian Reynolds is that guy. Yeah, maybe not. Look, he doesn't have a long track record. Uh, he's a little bit older. He's 27 years old. Uh, he's under team control for a while, which is one reason why he'd be a little bit expensive. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's 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 a tough decision. And the Yankees may want to wait. They may want to see, does somebody get injured? They have to go find a second baseman or a, a first baseman at some point this season. Uh, do, they need to go to, do they need to go find a starting pitcher? Right now, their starting pitcher is great. They shouldn't waste resources on a starting pitcher. I think the one trade you might see is in relief. Because you could you could do a relief pitcher trade for somebody who's either pretty good or is like a Clay Holmes type, you know, uh, you know kind of potential pick for some players you've never heard of. Um, and so I wouldn't be shocked if that, if, if we see something like that, where, um, you know, the Yankees trade for, you know, whatever, some, some veteran reliever currently on a team on, on the Washington nationals or something like that. And, um, and they bring them in right now. I think you're probably waiting on center field. I think you got to wait for some more teams to be out of it. One thing to remember though, is that we've expanded playoffs this year, which means that fewer teams are going to be out of it. There'll be fewer sellers and more buyers at the trade deadline this year. Maybe that's the reason why the Yankees want to trade a little earlier. Maybe uh, some team, you know, would like to kind of get a, you know, get rid of some players a little earlier, maybe save a little bit of money, maybe um, uh, get a little bit of higher price for them. And the Yankees can have that player for longer. Um, but, you know, there might not be a lot of, a lot of kind of position player type trades that take place 
at the trade deadline. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that you often find in baseball is that pitchers get traded in uh, at the at the deadline, and position players get traded in the offseason. It's because the match is not always clear. There's not always that many teams looking for a player at a particular position at the trade deadline, and they don't necessarily match up with it. With you know, they don't necessarily have the assets to trade that the other team wants. I keep an eye on the A's roster. There's not a center fielder there, but there's a catcher named Sean Murphy. There's lots of relief pitching. There's some starting pitching that I don't think the Yankees will be interested in. Um, I'd also take a look at some other teams that are clearly out of it. The Reds are clearly out of it. Maybe there's a, there's some players in the Reds that you might start considering. Um, I'd start looking at the Nationals. I'd start looking at the, a lot of these teams that are, are going to be on the trade market. Yeah, the, the question was just brought up about do the Yankees have a minor leaguer? Um and Carte, right? He's he's playing down there in Scranton, Wilkesbury. What what do you think of him? He's not very good. I, I mean, I, I think if you, if you don't think Aaron Hicks is hitting, you're not going to think that Endurance Ciarte is hitting. Um, his defense, I haven't seen him play this year, but I know that the numbers suggest that he dropped off quite a bit last year. Um, the best Yankee outfielder right now, I mean, Esteban Florial is the guy they just called up, but I, I don't think anyone thinks he's potentially great. Same with Miguel Andujar, who probably can't play particularly good defense. Um, you know, they're, they're right now their outfield class is not that good. Uh, guys like Everson Pereira, he's still at high A. He's not having a great year. A lot of Yankee players aren't having great years, unfortunately. Yeah, um, we're going to ask to call you to, check, to run down a few of those guys in a sure. little while. There's pitching to call up. But, no, they're, the solution to any of these positions we're talking about, other than Ben Rortvet, once he gets healthy, are not coming from the farm. Interesting. So, listen, you, you've been alluding to this, and um, I <laughs> – I, uh, again, I think EJ hit the camera button instead of the mute button. Uh, so anyway, um, the, there are a number of teams that are basically out of it last week. Uh, Mike Whiteman sat in for you and Mike Whiteman and I looked at the Cincinnati Reds and we targeted their, uh, one catcher, the young guy, Ethan wrote an article about that today on start spreading the news. Um, that would be a great guy to get Stevenson as, a, as his name, I believe. I don't have Tyler Stevenson, yeah, yeah. On the Reds. Um, but I figured it'd be kind of fun if we looked at the last place teams in the American League. Brian Cashman called us up and he said we could each pick a guy on each of those teams who, who could address a Yankee need. And I'll, I'll tell you, what my thought was, was, was when I did this exercise, I was looking, like I said, at center field uh, or left field. Um, or maybe a pitcher or a catcher is do any of these teams have a guy that I think would be an upgrade on the Yankees over what they have. And so uh, I'll go first. We'll start with the Orioles. They have a guy I've been wanting for a long time and he would cost a lot, but I think the potential there is unbelievable for a guy who could be an all-star Yankee for a long time. And that's Cedric Mullins. And the thing I like about Cedric Mullins is like so many other players, he's having a down year this year. He he's is he had 291 last year. He had a 360 on base percentage. His slugging was over 500. This year those numbers are down to 249 for the batting average, on base 312, a slugging average or slugging percentage under 400. Last year he blasted uh 30 home runs. This year he has five, which puts him on pace for only 20. Um, and I'm saying to myself, you know, he he might have peaked, or maybe maybe the Orioles may might think he peaked in 2021. 
He's 27. So he might be at that point where they said, you know what? We've had him around since 2018. He's had mixed reviews. He had one really good year, 2021. And I love left-handed hitting center fielders who are fast. And I think they'd be great in Yankee stadium. And so if I were the Yankees, the guy I would go for on the Orioles roster would be Cedric Mullins. And for Cedric Mullins, I'd be willing to pay somewhat of a hefty price. Um, you know, I'd go one of the top Yankee prospects because Mullins is young enough and, you know, maybe a mid-level prospect and maybe another one top a hundred or, or uh, type prospect. I'd go three for one with, with three of the Yankee better guys to really solidify center field, not just for 2022, but really hopefully for the next five to eight years. So what do you think about Cedric Mullins? And if you were the Yankee GM, who on the Orioles would you be looking at? So I think he's getting traded, right? I, I think it's pretty clear. He's not under team control for that much longer. The Orioles aren't winning this year or probably next year. It makes sense for them to eventually trade him, whether it's the off season or, or trade deadline. We'll see. Um, I don't know how good he is. If you look at the statistics, he's an okay defensive player. So he was an above average defensive player last year, roughly average defensive player this year, maybe a little bit below average, depending on what numbers you're looking at. Those early for defensive statistics. He's fast. Doesn't take great routes to the ball. He, the rest of his, his batting profile this year, at least is not very good. Um, so his expected batting average is in the 35th percentile. His expected Woba is in the 39th percentile. Um, his hard hard hit rate is low. He's a guy who kind of chases and swings out a lot of pitches outside the strike zone. He's a pull hitter, so maybe that will be good in Yankee Stadium. Um, but I don't think we can say he's been hurt by the Orioles' kind of new field dimensions. Um, he had a really great season last year, and if I was the Orioles, I would have traded them during the offseason. I think that was the time to trade him. I don't trade know high. how expensive he'll be. Um, there's a question about trading within div the division, and I never understood why a team like the Orioles is hesitant to trade in the division. If you're the Orioles, you're thinking about taking future wins away from the Yankees. And you can do that by giving them some present wins now. They're not going to win this season. And so if you can take a prospect away from the Yankees that might beat you in a couple of years, that's usually a good thing. It doesn't happen or rarely happens. I don't think the Yankees are going to be the team to trade for Cedric Mullins, but I think somebody probably will. And uh, I think he'd be an improvement on Hicks. I don't know how much of an improvement, to be honest. If you look at the numbers, he's an above-average-ish hitter, maybe, and an above-average-ish center fielder, maybe. Um, Hicks is an average-ish center fielder and an average-ish hitter. And so it's an improvement. And if it's not that expensive, I'd love it. I love the idea of a left-handed hitter. And I like the potential. I'd love to see what the Yankees could do with, with him uh, from a coaching perspective. Um, and I think he also solves that problem for you going forward. This is not a center field. It's not a problem. that's going to go away. And as we said, it's not coming out of the farm system anytime soon. And so maybe it's not a, not a bad choice. And, and really the Orioles don't have a lot of other choices on their roster. Uh, this is not a good team. Um, and, and, you know, usually good teams don't have a lot of good players. And so there's not a lot of players on this Orioles roster that I think, you know, would really move the needle very much. Uh, for the Yankees. I think a little bit about their bullpen, someone like a Dylan Tate out of their bullpen, someone with some talent that maybe the Yankees the Yankees could improve upon. I, I, I could see them trying to trying something like that, trying to do a Clay Holmes with some of these players. Um, from their hitting, you know, hitters are the players I think could, could be traded. I don't think anybody other than Cedric Mullins makes the Yankees. I know I don't want to see Rugnet Odor, 
That's correct. We we did that last year. That was enough of that. So I think we're in agreement there. So let's let you go first. Why don't we look at the Kansas City Royals? Is there anybody on the Royals who you would like to see the Yankees acquire? Yeah, the Royals are an interesting team because I think they think that they're on the upswing, that they expect to be a better team in a couple of years, um, which could mean one that you know they're they're looking to to trade some players that won't be around in a couple of years. They probably also don't want a, a low A prospect for those players. And I think the obvious case, the obvious player in the, on the Orioles that they should trade, um, that I think they will trade, he's going to be a free agent after the season. Uh, or I'm sorry, after, I believe after, yeah, after this season, he'll be a free agent, is Andrew Benintendi. He has finally kind of figured it out. He's hitting very well. Um, StatCast suggests that he's been a little bit lucky with his batted ball luck, but it's also a good ballpark for him to be in. He's hitting 329, 390, 425. Um, he's playing a little bit of left field. So there, there's a positional problem if you trade for him. And I think the problem is that Aaron Judge needs to be playing center field a lot, um, which I think I'm okay with. I think I've been pretty happy with Aaron Judge, Judge in center. And, um, you know, I, I think Andrew Benintendi would be it would be an improvement, be a left-handed hitter who you could slot in there, you know, when you're going up against a righty uh, pretty pretty regularly. So I, I think you could trade for Andrew Benintendi. You could probably give up someone who – whose name we know because he's in the upper minors, but you're not really going to miss too much. When I was looking at the Royals, I also picked Ben Attendee. Now he's played 71 games in his career in center field. He hasn't been there since 2019, but he has played center field. Um, you know, 71 games isn't nothing. Would you feel confident in having him as a guy on the team? I mean, if the Yankees got him, the only place to put him really is, I guess he's is in left field. I don't know what you do with Gallo at that point. Does Gallo go to right? Maybe. And, and judge goes to center. I'm not quite sure how you balance all that. He would be the only guy on the Royals that I'm interested in getting. So you know, we're in agreement there. Um, but how confident would you be that maybe sometimes he's going to have to be your center fielder? Not very confident. I mean, look, judge has more experience than he has out there at the moment. Judge is faster than Benintendi. Uh, ben Tenney is basically an average left fielder. I don't have a lot of confidence in that player becoming a pl- uh, an average or, or even acceptable center fielder. So no, I think if you trade for him, I think you're you're planning on Aaron Hicks on the bench, uh, playing a little bit of center, and um, maybe Marlon Gonzalez playing some center, and then Judge playing a lot of center and being your mostly everyday center fielder. And then you put Ben Attendee in left and Gallo in right. Something like that. Um, you know, I think Gallo would love to be in right. Um, you know, Stanton's also a player who you might end up in the field a little bit, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's, I, I think moving Gallo to right might be better. I mean, I, I think it's been fairly clear that he's not reading the ball well in left field. He's making a lot of weird misplays out there. And he was used to be, he was a Coke lover in, in right field. And so, um, if you have that part of that opportunity, I, I think, I think that's something you do. And, and left field is Ben Intendi's natural position. Correct. All right. So, so we're in agreement on the Royals. Let's let you go first. Let's look at the. Seattle Mariners. Oh, the Mariners are in last place right now. I was prepared for the Athletics. I guess they're both they're tied in. They're, they're both. Yeah, it'll be the Mariners and the Athletics. You want to go A's? You can go A's. Well, let me take a look at the at the Athletics right now. So the Athletics are another team that I think thought they were going to be good this season. They bought on a lot of players, and uh, and it's not really working out for them, unfortunately. And it's one of those those teams that you, you kind of want them to break their streak. They've had some not great starts. Some guys like Jared Kelenic, uh, guys like they they acquired like Robbie Ray are not having very good seasons, and then. Um, you know, they, they, they were, they had a really hot tie France to start the season and he is really, really cooled down. Um, I think the player that's really interesting to me here is uh, Jesse Winker. 
He's another outfielder. He's a lefty. He's not having a great season, but he's had a great couple of seasons before that. Uh, he comes off as a really kind of a really good kind of clubhouse guy. Um, I think he could be a really interesting bench bat for the Yankees. I don't see him like I would see Ben Intendi right now as your starter. Mm-hmm. He becomes your primary left fielder. I think if you trade for Jesse Winker, he becomes a guy who plays a lot more than the average bench player, but is is primarily a bench player. He's not even like a Glaber Torres who plays five days a week. He's a guy who plays three, four days a week, pinch hits a bit. And I think uh, he's that. That's one way to um, make up for having guys like Aaron Hicks and Jose Trevino and Isaiah kind of left in the lineup is to have a really strong pinch hitter or have multiple really strong pinch hitters. The Yankees currently have that. They currently have one really strong pinch hitter on the bench pretty much every single game. Um, but I think adding another guy, kind of a more benchy guy, but who can also hit pretty well, I think Winker is that guy. Interesting. I went pitcher when I went through the A's roster. I was really just underwhelmed. The guys who I thought might be you know, good op- opportunity guys didn't really turn out to be that way uh, based upon their stats this year. So I, I decided I'd go with a crazy pick. They have a left-handed pitcher named Sam Mole, who has only pitched 12 innings this year. He only pitched 10 last year. But it seems like people don't get on base a whole lot on, on him. He has a, a 1.054 whip. And, you know, sometimes it's those guys who no one's ever heard of, sort of like a Clay Holmes last year. Mole is 30 years old. It's not like he's a young guy. Um you know, he might be that piece that could help replace the fact that yeah, Chad Green is gone. Now, Green's a righty, Mole's a lefty. But if I was looking, I he looks like a guy you could probably get for nothing. Maybe, you know, for a, a low-level prospect or whatever. And maybe that's the type of guy comes in from the Yankees and, and gives them some quality innings when they most need it. So that was the guy I picked. Yeah, I mean, looking at his numbers, he's got he's kind of a walker. He's got a strong walk, a high walk rate, but a strong strikeout rate. He's been really good at AAA and just doesn't seem to have gotten a lot of chances at the majors. So, yeah, I could absolutely see him being the kind of guy they trade for. Um, the A's like to trade. They yes. love to trade guys. They trade guys all the time, and they've got a lot of guys left to trade this season. Um, well, when the Yankees get Sam Mole, remember, like, holy cow, Paul said that on the Start Spreading the News podcast. Now, usually around the bottom of the hour, there's an ad. So let's do one more guy, and then we'll uh, we'll 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 throw it to the ad. Um, I looked at the Mariners, and I made a similar pick. Though I think he's a, a I, I went pitcher. That's the only thing that's really similar. This guy's been around a little bit longer. Uh, the guy I went with was Paul Sewold, um, who's again having a nice year. Um, and I always look at whip and his whip is 0.50. He's pitched 14 innings, but he had a great whip last year, over 64 innings out of the pen with a 10 and three record. But I don't really buy much about um, wins and losses out of the bullpen. But this could be a guy, you know, former Met, played in New York already, and maybe he comes to the Yankees and helps solidify that bullpen. When you look at the Mariners, what do you think? Well, I think he's going to be traded at the deadline. I think Paul Sewald is exactly that kind of player. He's he's closing for them right now, and I think sometimes team players will kind of use a closer like that as uh, as a guy that they, they plan on trading. Right? If I if I were man, if I were GMing a bad team, I would be trying to get re- relief pitchers to trade at the deadline all the time. I think Sewald is that kind of guy. He's kind of found some control this year, um, which I think is why he's been really really good. So yeah, I think he's a good pick. Awesome. All right, so let's, let's tell oh my goodness. Yeah. Let's let's take a break right now and uh, go to that commercial break. 
The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience. August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the Fireman's Chili Cook-Off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. And here we are. We're back again. Good stuff. EJ struggling with with the uh, yeah. I gotta apologize to everybody. This is allergy season right here. I tell you, this is uh, this is what I felt like teaching late in the semester. Uh, I was just sneezing like crazy. Uh, luckily, me right into a mask. Um, Yankees. So, yeah. So I apologize, everybody. And uh, I, unfortunately, I can't. I can't promise it's going to stop for the next twenty four minutes. All right. So 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 I'll have to teach you about that mute button. So anyway. Um, Yankees are down still. It's 5-4. Looks like on, on my ESPN's uh, um, game cast, it's 5-4 after eight innings. So if the Yankees are going to win and break this short losing streak, it's going to have to be of the walk-off variety. So let's move on. EJ, you are the guy of anybody I know who really understands and follows and pays really close attention to how the Yankees are doing on the farm. And as we talk about trades and we talk about guys, the Yankees might acquire, obviously the names that the other teams are going to ask for some of those big name Yankee prospects, Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez, and stuff like that. And a couple of weeks ago, he gave us an update on them. Why don't you do that again? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. The Yankee farm system, at least the hitters are not doing very well right now. Um, Anthony Volpe, uh, he's, I believe, now batting below 200. Um, he's just really struggled these last couple of weeks. It looked like he was kind of coming out of it. He had a really slow start to the season and was pretty solid for the next few weeks. He's now batting, it looks like, 197, 316, 378. Um, that's a double A. It's his first season at double A. It's not a good sign. Uh, I wonder if, if Brian Cashman had a time machine, if he would trade Anthony Volpe uh, during the offseason. Um, and, um, uh, I am, um, it's a little depressing now Volpe, will he recover? It's an interesting question. So Volpe doesn't have a huge track record. He had a massive breakout last year. He was one of the best players in the minor leagues last year. He, um, was not highly regarded going into the draft. So he was a guy that was a bit of a surprise pick for the Yankees. He was a New Jersey guy. He was at Del Barton High School in North Jersey. He cold weather guys like that team. A lot of teams don't like to draft them. They don't play year round, or at least they don't play in their kind of organized baseball year round. Sometimes they have kind of they go to like showcases in Florida in the winter. But you can't play baseball in New Jersey in February, and so he doesn't do a lot of he didn't do a lot of that. And um, you know, he, he doesn't have incredible physical tools. He wasn't like an Aaron judge who was a bit of a diamond in the rough, but you could imagine him being just this kind of unique baseball player based on who he was. He looks like a shortstop. Anthony Volpe is he's six one and not particularly big. If you go, if you see him in person, he looks like a, like a baseball player. He doesn't look like anything too crazy. Um, he's not super fast. You know, nothing really sticks out about Volpe. And so the fact that he's not playing well, I think is concerning. I think the longer it goes on, the more concerning it gets. I wouldn't be shocked to see them send him down to high A and try to kind of give him a little bit, you know, a little bit more runway. He's all, he hasn't had a lot of reps in the minor leagues. He missed the 2020 season due to the pandemic. Uh, 2019 was his draft year. And so 2021 was really his breakout year. It was the year he was, he, he, he first got that playing time and he was great. 
But overall, not great news. I don't think they end up trading him because I don't think he's good enough to be traded at the moment. I, I don't. I don't think any team would kind of pay the price the Yankees would want or, or, or give up somebody who's really good uh, for him. So not particularly great news right there. So let me, not, let me let, let's 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 jump. Let me let me just uh, push a little here on 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 Volpe. You know, every time the Yankees have a prospect or a group of prospects. Most prospects, this isn't a criticism of the Yankees where I'm going to go with this, but most prospects don't pan out. Todd Van Poppel, I mean, Craig Jeffries, there's so many of them that this is the next great ball player and they don't ever become that. But as a Yankee fan, we keep hearing about this is the group of kids, not the last group of kids. I know, I know that last group of kids we told you was the group of kids and I know they didn't pan out. Uh, and, and, and I know the group before that didn't pan out, but this time, this time we've got the coaches, we've got the organizational philosophy, and we've really refined this all to, to, to such a precision point that these top prospects this time are all can't miss. You, you would never get rid of them. They're, they're, they're so great. You don't want Francisco Lindor. Because Anthony Volpe's coming in two years. You don't want Corey Seager. Now, not that these guys are even doing well this year at this point yet, but you get the idea. You don't want Carlos Correa because Anthony Volpe's coming. You don't want Bryce Harper because they've got Esteban Floreal. This guy's unbelievable. On and on for decades, we hear about these great young Yankee players that uh, third base. My goodness, Hensley Mullins is going to be the guy. Oreste Destrade, this guy is so good that the, the Yankees wouldn't have traded him for Babe Ruth. Uh, on and on. Celerino Sanchez is the next great third baseman forever and ever. Um, and, and when you suggest at the time, like over the winter, the Yankees ought to trade Anthony Volpe. Right now, he is worth a gazillion and who's ever to say that his value will be this high? Maybe the Yankees could get really a big time difference maker. You know, the prospect huggers, they say, oh my goodness, how could you ever possibly think about getting rid of Anthony Volpe? He's, he's so great. And then it seems like every time we go through the same exercise and then here we are a year or two later, Clint Frazier's got the quickest bat. I mean, this guy, the, the, the sky's the limit. Clint Frazier is going to hit like Vlad Guerrero and Al Kaline, and Mickey Mantle from the right side, and Hank Aaron, all at the same time. He's going to set every record, and he's going to do it in two years. You know, on and on and on. So uh, what, what's your thought on that? Is it when, when a prospect peaks, especially at low A, isn't that the time to say, let's move him and get whatever we can, and if he turns out to be the next Fred McGriff, okay, that was the guy who turned out to be great. 50,000 other of them didn't, and look what we got for them. Yeah, well, that's how Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera and Jorge Posada and Andy Pettit all end up on other teams. Here's the way ah, I think ah, about ah, prospects. See, this that's is always the response, though. I'm a statistician. I think about probabilities, not about kind of certain outcomes. Anybody who says this guy is going to be the next great thing, they're lying. They don't know what they're talking about. That's not the way this works. These are all uncertain. Look at another of some other players. Jared Kelenic. Jared Kelenic was the top uh, hitter for the Seattle Mariners. He had lots of experience at doing very, very well in the high minors. They, he broke camp with the team this year and they just sent him back down because he was not good. Um, 
he was another one of those guys that was about as good as you could hope a prospect could be. But then you could compare him to Adley Rushman, who the Orioles just called up. He was likely their long-term catcher. He's looking great. Um, he's a, he's a guy who's well-regarded on both sides of the ball. We'll see how he does, right? Maybe, maybe he ends up not hitting very well and he ends up being a bit of a failed prospect. This is, this is just the game you got to play when you're playing prospects. Now the Yankee pitching prospects have been much better, right? The Yankee pitching prospects are, the Yankees are consistently able to bring up pitchers. If you look at their rotation right now, you have Nestor Cortez, you have Jordan Montgomery, uh, you have lots of guys in the bullpen. They're, they're, they're pretty good at, at pitching. They're also pretty good at finding the Jamison Tyones of the world, uh, the, the players of the world who are a little bit better than their current team values them, and the Yankees can kind of juice a little bit more, uh, more get a little more juice out of that orange. They haven't brought up a, a lot of successful hitters lately. They had a couple of high-profile failures. So Estevan Florial was at one point their top prospect. Um, he's at this point probably a bust. Um, I have been critical of Miguel Andahar basically since his first season, but he had that really good rookie season, has since been a bust. Clint Frazier, as you mentioned, has been a bust. All these players have been bust on, uh, you know, especially when they leave, are still bust for other teams. And so they, they have, it's not that the Yankees, I think, are, are coaching them wrong, is that the players haven't been successful. I think you have to take out a lot of flyers. You got to take out a lot of bets. Every single major league player was at one point in time a prospect, which means that the Yankees, and I apologize, I'm going to sneeze in a second. One second. Excuse me. Every single player on the Yankees. Sorry about that. My, my microphone died for a second. Every single player on the Yankees um, was a prospect at some point in time. Right now, Aaron Judge is holding this team up because the Yankees decided not to trade him. Anthony Volpe might be that player. He might not be that player. Oswald Peraza, who's also not having a good year, might be that player, might not be Jason Dominguez, etc. We can go down the list. You got to take bets. Eventually, if they keep trading away their prospects for guys who have you know two or three years of team control and they sign a bunch of free agents, they're going to have an old team. Um, this is not a team that's going to be successful in three or four years if some of the guys who are currently in the farm system do not become productive major league players. They have too many players who are going to be on long-term contracts who are going to be aging. Um, too many players who are too expensive. Even for if the Yankees, even if they decide to spend two hundred fifty million dollars a year. They can't fill a 26-man roster full of free agents at that price. You look at lots of guys in this team who have been holding this team down for a long time. Chad Green, he's now gone. Right? Chad Green made $4 million this year. He made half a million dollars for most of the time. He was a really great player. Jordan Montgomery is about to become a free agent. You go down this list. I mean, we talk about Aaron Judge being a free agent all, all the time. You go down this list, and the Yankees need young guys. Their only way to acquire young guys is to just take some bets on prospects and hope that a couple of them all come up and they all work out. Um, I don't think there's any reason, for example, if I'm Brian Cashman, to think that I need to fire my minor league hitting coordinator. In fact, they didn't. They, they promoted him. He's there currently the major league hitting coach, and the Yankees are hitting pretty well. Um, so I don't think they need to, to change anything kind of down the farm. They just kind of need to get lucky. They got lucky that Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez – and some other guys they trade for, like Aaron Hicks and, and all those guys, all got good at the same time. Uh, but they also got unlucky that the next generation of players, Glaber Torres, Clint Frazier, um, Miguel Andujar, Stone Floreal, that those guys were disappointments. And that's just going to happen. That's just kind of the luck of the draw. And occasionally, one of them turns into Derek Jeter. Uh, right. I, I think, I don't know if Ope is going to be Derek Jeter, but you know, I think uh, at the beginning of the season, he has good chances anybody in the minors. 
my philosophy is a little bit different. If if you have somebody that's got value and teams believe that that player has value and they're willing to part with uh, a superior talent for that valuable player or that um, prospect, I'd always go with the surer bet. This guy has proven that he can do it at the major leagues. I'd rather take um, the three or four years with the proven guy um, than bank on the young guy, you know, continuing this upward trajectory, especially if it's a guy who, you know, is more of a long shot, like an Anthony Volpe. Maybe, maybe he becomes great. Maybe not. You know, I go back, we like to talk about, well, the Yankees held on to Bernie and they held on to, you know, Posada and they held on to Jeter and they held on to Mariano Rivera. All that's true. They got rid of a bunch of young pitchers though, uh, in order to pick up like, especially including Eric Milton guys like, um, Chuck Knobloch, who would help them win a lot. They got rid of a bunch of young pitchers in order to get David Cohn, who helped them win a lot. And they held on to some pitchers at times. And as I recall, I remember at the time saying, why will not, why the, why will the Yankees holding on to Sterling Hitchcock? Because they could have gotten Randy Johnson for him, but they, they held that up because they didn't want to part with Sterling Hitchcock. So I guess it goes both ways. I'm, I'm always a believer though. Let get me the proven major league talent. And again, on the times when those young guys actually perform and, and they make us look bad, well, that was the guy who got away. There haven't really been too many guys who the Yankees have given up on over the years who've actually become really good. Off the top of my head, I think of uh, Willie McGee. I think of um, uh, Fred McGriff. Though I've written about Fred McGriff, well, the Yankees got rid of him when he was in single A, and he was a low round draft pick. And when they got rid of him, there was no reason to think that he was going to become Fred McGriff. Sometimes players come out of nowhere too. That's happened all the time. I don't hold the Yankees that much responsible for getting rid of Fred McGriff. Eric Milton became a pretty good pitcher. Mike Lowell became a pretty good third baseman. But there's not a whole lot of other guys over all these last 20, 30 years who've the Yankees have given up on who've, who've, who've really performed at the highest levels to make you say, oh, man, wish he was still in pinstripes. Um, can you think of others? I mean, I can think of pitchers. There's a, there's a, there's a full bullpen full of former Yankees you know, in the majors right now that I'd love to have back. I'd love to have Garrett Whitlock back from the Red Sox. I'd love to have Roasny Contreras back from the Pirates. I think he's somewhere else now. But they trade him for Jamison Tyone. Um, I'd love to have J.P. Fireson back from the Rays. Um, there's a couple of pitchers on the Marlins the Yankees traded years ago who have become pretty good starters who I'd love to have back. So there's some players there, but as position players, I, I can't think of anybody really that comes to mind. Um, you know, the, the best players the Yankees have traded, I mean, guys like Tyler Austin, who didn't do a whole lot afterwards. If you look at older guys like Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshel, they're not having great seasons. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't think there's anybody really there. I will say, you know, the, the way I, I would judge this is judge the probability distribution. Judge who, how the Yankees are doing overall over a long period of time. And, you know, they're they're the best team in the majors right now. You know, what, if they had traded for, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a player who was available this offseason. If, if during the last trade deadline, they trade for Trey Turner. And they trade Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza and someone else for Trey Turner. Um, would they be better right now? Well, they can't really be better right now. Because they're in first place. Um, would they be better? I mean, they'd be a better team. Sure, I'd love to see Trey Turner on this team. Um, but that's, in some in some ways, kind of wasted wins. Uh, if at the end of the season, if the Yankees, you know, lose the division by one game 
and they don't look great in the playoffs and they lose in the, you know, the, the best of three wildcard series, you know, then we can have that conversation. But I, I think right now you have to consider the offseason a success. They didn't give up anything and they're in first place. It's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. They're losing six to four now, EJ, which which is a little more depressing. We're heading to the bottom of the ninth, so let's hope there's a miracle somewhere with the Yankees. You know, I just thought of a different Yankee prospect who came up and even hit 300 at least once, and the Yankees then traded him, and I remember being outraged that how could you trade Roberto Kelly? You're sending him to the Reds for the Paul O'Neill, Really? And then... You know, sometimes these things work out as well. Uh, I don't think we're going to have time for this, EJ. I was going to run down the top five Yankee second baseman in history. Um, you and I were going to do a little countdown. Who do you think was number one all the way down through five? We did first base with Mike Whiteman last week. I think we should save the second base story for next week so we don't rush it as we approach the top of the hour, you have any other uh, big things to talk about? The last thing I'd like to talk about is something you mentioned at the very start of the show. It's Aaron judge and his home runs. And why don't you just tell us a little about Aaron judge's home runs and what the rest of the league looks like comparison. So Aaron, Aaron judge hit his seventh, 16th and 17th home runs this season uh, today against the Orioles. Uh, Aaron judge has 17 home runs on the season. As you just said, and the next highest player has 12. He is killing the ball. He is having his best season. He's a average hitter. He's hitting, uh, I think, what, 320 right now, 325 right now as of as of his last plate appearance. Um, this is not a – this team looks a lot different without Aaron Judge. It's interesting. It's been a long time since the Yankees had a real standout hitter in that same way. Judge has been one of the better hitters in the majors over the last few years, but he hasn't been the clear – a near kind of – MVP overwhelming hitter since really his rookie season um, when he, he hit 50 something home runs and he um, he was probably the best player in the major leagues that year. Um, and Mike Trout's better than Aaron judge. And so he's not the best player in the major leagues, but he's pretty close. And I think it's going to give Mike Trout a run for his money for, for the MVP award this season in a way that judge just didn't last year. Right. No one last year was saying Aaron judge, he should be the, the number one MVP. Everyone's like, hey, he should be the number five MVP, which is about what he was. And that's good. That's, that's really good. I'd love to have that player. Um, but he's really taken it to another level this year. It, it's amazing. Like, honestly, I thought Aaron Judge was just kind of kind of old. He was not the youngest player when they first called him up. And it wouldn't be shocked if a player at what, 24, I think he was, 25, has the best season of his career. But he might have, at 30, right now, the best season of his career, right before he's a free agent, which is a good time to have that season. Um, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight that the Yankees should have offered him more money because he's probably going to make more money than they could have gotten him for. He probably would have said yes to a few months ago um, if he keeps having this season. But the thing is the Yankees now get to have an MVP level Aaron judge this season. So it's a good problem to have to have your best player be amazing right before he's a free agent. Um, I'm enjoying watching him. I, I mean, I, I have faith when the Yankees are behind and Aaron judge comes to the bat, comes up to the plate that he can hit a home run. And the Yankees just need some more base runners in front of them right now. Does this change the dynamic for you? It doesn't for me. Aaron Judge could hit 900 home runs this year. That doesn't mean he's hitting 900 home runs next year or for the next six or seven or eight or ten years. I'm I'm very reluctant, no matter how well he does this year, to go more than I, I, six years, really. I don't even want to go six. Oh, I think you yeah. pinch comes, <laughs> push comes to shove, you might have to go to seven. But I, if I'm the Yankees, 
I don't know, 30.5 million for seven years still looks awful generous and awful good. So if you're the Yankees, do you budge on that offer at the end of the season because of what he did in 2022? Uh, I think if he has, if he, if he has his, his numbers right now at the end of the year, I think I give him everything. Um, this is the, first off, I think he's more valuable to the Yankees than any other team, any other team. He's the leader of this team. If you remember about two weeks ago, there was a moment where there was a fan, uh, mm-hmm. a kid. That was who, beautiful. Had a, there was a foul ball that was hit near him. Someone nearby caught the foul ball, gave it to the kid and the judge into in, in the, uh, in the judge shirt. Kid hugs him, um, and, and Aaron Judge, to his credit, he hears about this from a reporter after the game. Um, he's clearly happy about it. If you if just watch that interview, you can see him just kind of, kind of really, really just kind of give a genuine smile. And then he or the Yankees or whatever get in contact with that guy who caught the ball and the kid, the kid's family. And the next day, kind of does this very heartfelt, very nice thing where he kind of you know says hello to the kid. The kid says he's his favorite baseball player, et cetera. That is, that, that's, that's leadership stuff. Um, and that's worth, I think, tying up on your team for a long time. I want him to go to the Hall of Fame as a Yankee. I don't want him to be Robinson Cano, who you have to remember was a Yankee at, at some point in time. I want him to play every day of his career as a Yankee. And if that means they have to eat a few years of the contract at the back end, that's fine. I think the thing is, is you don't want a ton of guys who are all getting old at the same time. So signing Aaron Judge means that you don't sign Joey Gallo to a long-term deal or something like that. Someone else in, the, in that range. You know, you, you, the Yankees are going to have some big contracts that are kind of unwieldy. Garrett Cole, John Carlos Stan, DJ LeMayu, whose contract isn't all that big, but he's still a little bit older than, than the other guys. Um, that's something they're going to have to manage. And the only way they are still a productive team is either Aaron Judge has a, you know, a Hall of Fame 30s, which he could have. Right? He has been very good every season of his career when he's healthy. If he stays healthy in his 30s, you can imagine him having a really good decade and being really good deep into his 30s. There are players that do that. Um, or someone like Anthony Volpe becoming a, a cheap for a, a cheap, really good player, a player that they can call up and they can essentially, you know, for the cost of of one $35 million Aaron judge and and one you know, five hundred or $700,000 Anthony Volpe, they can essentially have two reasonably priced players. Um, and and I, I think that's that's why you you bet on the young guys is it allows you to, to re-sign Aaron Judge. But I don't care if there's not a single player in this team I prefer to – I'd get rid of uh, – I, I wouldn't keep if I got to keep Aaron Judge. Nice. All right. Good stuff, EJ. We did it. We're right at the top of the hour. And it's time for us to say goodnight to all of our faithful listeners. This has been the Start Spreading the News podcast on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network. Yankees are still down, but yeah. they have a man on in the ninth with one out. I was Anthony checking to see the at the plate. Yeah. Anthony Rizzo is going to come up, and he's going to hit the game-tying home run. Judge maybe will win it, but I'm predicting a Rizzo home run to tie it. But that's it. Well, have a great night, everybody. Good night. Good night.